0: Unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriter's Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right. Welcome back to the Copywriter's Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good, Nathan. How are you?
0: I am fantastic because I've been sipping on green tea, honey, and lemon, and I'm on a caffeine buzz right now. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> All right, so for the people that don't get the show notes, you always tend to send me a, uh, a picture to accompany the show notes when you send them. And today, there's a picture of a really tall cop and a really short cop. And I'm thinking to myself, what the heck does this have to do with the Copywriters Podcast?
1: Well, um, I just simply sliced the Y off the word copy and I got short cop, but it's really about short copy.
0: Okay, so let's let's just jump into it then.
1: All right. So, you know, when I first started writing copy, and this was before there was an internet, we had an old saying, there's no such thing as copy that's too long, just copy that's too boring. And that was a great point back then, back in the day, because short copy was what you would see on very wasteful print ads and on TV commercials that were trying to convey a feeling rather than trying to sell something. But try talking smack about short copy today to someone who's writing ads for Facebook or Google or a display network. And a short copy is now part of the toolkit of hardcore direct response copywriters. And now I'd like to share something really cool for my personal toolkit. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. Most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health and finance and business opportunity, You may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So let's talk about short copy and let's talk about it and let's look at it from a new point of view because these days to be an effective copywriter, if you're doing more than writing your typical long sales letter or a VSL or a webinar or a print ad, you need, if you're doing more than that, if you're writing like the whole funnel, what what is short copy that works for direct response in today's environment? So the kind of short copy we're talking about today is like, if you took a regular, regular old school direct response piece of copy, we're talking about the headline and the first hundred words, or maybe just the headline. And, so l- let's talk about, just in case you're not familiar. Oh boy, the police are upset about this one. It's probably because of the short cop. Can, can you hear those sirens in the back?
0: <laughs> I did. <laughs> I think it probably was because of the short cop.
1: Yeah. S- sorry, guys. Um, thanks for your service. Um, okay. Um, what was the old school thing? I remember... I don't know why but well I do know why. You know all of these old jingles and ads they they're they're stuck in my head. They're earworms. They they're just rolling around forever. From the 60s there was um, a product by Noxema called Noxema Complexion Lotion. It was um, you know a moisturizer, right? And they had a singing commercial that went like this. Only a smile could make you lovelier, Noxima Complexion Lotion. I don't know. Uh, To me, that's, you know, I guess if you have a consumer product and you have lots of of point-of-purchase stuff and maybe that works, that, that, you know, from a direct response point of view, they're not asking for the sale. Um, It's a pretty watered-down benefit. But these days... The intent, and so the intention there was, I guess, to make you think of Noxema Complexion Lotion when you're at Walgreens or Dark Drugstore, in my case, growing up in D.C. in the 60s, and, you know, buy that one instead of something else. But these days, the intention is different. These days, short copy is the first step in an organized, purposeful selling process, which people often call a funnel. And it's a little different than what we used to do but in old school terms for for some of the boomer copywriters like me who've been around for a while this is what we would call a two step or a three step process because the first step would be that you know short copy that would lead a person to click in this case to the next step to the next step and so forth yeah let me let me stop there and You come at this a little differently, but I think you also know what I'm talking about, Nathan, in terms of, you know, the uh, old school before there was an internet, right?
0: Mm -hmm. So I'm going to get your take on this. This has always been my approach. I take two things into consideration when I am plotting out how long a piece of copy needs to be. Number one, how big is the ask? that I'm wanting from the other person and how familiar are they with me or the product or the client that I'm working for. So if I'm asking for a click, I can usually get away with just four lines of copy or even just a headline and a a call to action. If I'm asking for a $1,000, probably not so, so easy to get away with just a headline and a call to action. But same thing, if I'm working for a company that's well known in their well known in their industry and i'm selling a $100 product or a $1000 product versus a company that's a brand new entry into the industry the familiarity is going to impact whether short copy is going to work or not if everybody knows this brand and everybody already trusts that means that i can sell a, a $1000 product with significantly shorter copy than I can if nobody's ever heard of the product or the brand before.
1: Yeah, I I think that's right. And I think that's exactly how it works. There, There's an example in, in Gene Schwartz's Breakthrough Advertising where he says, and he's really talking more about mass market consumer products than maybe the niche kind of stuff that you and I and most of our subscribers, listeners, viewers are selling. Um, if you have like... I don't think he used this example, but it's pretty close. If you like a Nikon camera, and Nikon used to be even bigger than it is now, and uh, you're offering a really good price on it or some really good bonuses, everybody knows what it is, everybody knows what it costs, and you're offering a better deal. That's about all you need to do. Maybe have a picture of the product and uh, the price and um, a call to action. So, yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. And I think your principles, your, your way of looking at it also works <clears throat> in terms of a funnel. Um, a click is not a huge ask, but it is an ask. It, even if you're not asking for money, you're asking for a person's attention and time, which are increasingly scarce and valuable Commodities these days. So, you are probably, if you're not really well known, you're probably going to have to work harder to make it seem valuable, even to give them the click. Yeah, yeah. So, l- let's talk about the concept of the horizontal sales letter, which I've heard, I think, uh, used to describe webinars um, and VSLs. But if if you Make the horizontal as moments in time as opposed to a continuous stream. That's also a funnel, right? A traditional sales letter is vertical, not like a vertical market, but like vertical up and down, down headline, subheadline, lead, story, discovery story, or nightmare story, and so forth. Meant to be read from the top to the bottom. Right. Um, the horizontal goes different. It it's, it starts somewhere and then it moves across. And it, it could move across time like a video sales letter or a webinar. Or it could move across almost stepping stones like um, a funnel where the, the first stepping stone is the ad. The second one might be the landing page. The third one might be the lead magnet, and, and so forth and so on, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go back to an old formula, which I don't use very much, but um, I think in this case, it, it'd be really good for the concept. If, if you think of the old formula AIDA, attention, interest, desire, action. And for sure, that's what needs to happen in any copy. You need to get someone's attention, you know, captivate their interest, build up their desire to the point where they're willing to take action. Short copy, for the most part, I would say is just the first two. It's A plus I plus click here to find out more. Mm -hmm. Get the attention and then capture, captivate their interest. And one thing And I'd I'd really like your opinion on this because I I know you do a lot more work with funnels than I do and (coughs) probably work with people who are working on funnels too, coaching them. For short copy to work, there needs to be a connection between the A and the I, between the attention and interest at the beginning and the D and the A, the desire and the action later on. In other words, if you just write an ad before you've ever even thought about your sales letter, you write a... Google ad, Facebook ad, uh, display network ad, and you haven't really thought through your uh, eventual sales letter. It's going to be weaker. It's going to be lower conversion than if you thought everything through and then you shoehorn back backfill. You know, then you do the A and the I because you, you don't want just you don't want someone to you know ice cream, sex, and all the money you want, and then it turns out you're not selling any of those. But you'll definitely get a click from people out of rank curiosity, right? What What, what are your thoughts about that? And how do you go about writing the initial ad, that, that which is usually short copy, right? Um, I mean, I have seen Facebook ads with a headline in like five or six paragraphs, which is longer than short copy perhaps, but a lot of it's very short. What are your thoughts?
0: So with my clients, the the actual Lyft ads, the Facebook ads, the Google Pay-Per-Click, uh, those are always the last thing that we work on. So it's the first thing the customer sees or the prospect sees, but it's the last thing that we actually put together. So we put together what the funnel is going to look like, uh, what the sales page is going to be, what the what the... Ultimately, I want to start with what the eventual promises what's what's true north of this campaign and that's going to be the sales page and then we work backwards okay so how do we make a lead magnet that leads to that how do we make a webinar that leads to that and then once we have that step then it's how do we get a facebook ad that's going to drive traffic to that and we want to make sure that everything is pointing in true north towards the sales page so that people don't kind of get lost along the way so for me the short copy uh landing pages the short copy um facebook ads or instagram ads that that we drive traffic with those are always the last part of the process for us
1: yeah that, that's great that that's exactly how i would do it and when i'm coaching people on pieces of it and you know yesterday i was coaching a client on a funnel in fact i came up with two questions which i'll save till the end that i think would be really helpful but that's that's exactly the approach i would take and and it's really good to hear the confirmation that that's how you actually do it do you have a problem with kindle books i do sometimes i really just want to hold a book in my hand so i can turn the pages and highlight stuff and make notes that's one reason i recently released the print version of my book breakthrough copywriting and listen to this on facebook i've gotten pictures posted from around the world Pictures of people holding their printed copy of Breakthrough Copywriting in their hands, including one from an A-list screenwriter and marketer in L.A.'s famous Topanga Canyon. He was reading the book in his hot tub. Breakthrough Copywriting is a great book for you, whether you are a beginner or an a lister yourself, or anywhere in between. It costs a tiny, tiny fraction of my $5,000 ahead head seminar that the book is based on. So check out breakthrough copywriting on Amazon.com. Now back to the show. So what job does short copy, especially when it's, you know, at, at the top of the funnel when it's the very first thing, what job does it have to do? It has to get attention and uh, arouse interest. Okay. The the other thing it has to do, and, and this is where you have to match some things. You're you're trying to put it moving towards the ultimately the sales letter, the offer, the call to action on the sales side. But on the prospect side, you want to join the top of mind conversation in their head. You want to enter the com And and this is where the real art comes in, where the real skill comes in. Uh, So it has to do both jobs. It has to uh, lead congruently to where you're eventually going with your copy. But it also has to enter the conversation already going on in the prospect's mind, as Robert Collier put it, right? It it seems to me that if there were a rule of thumb for this, it would be promise something that's unusually appealing, but at the same time still believable uh, and then get the click. Does that line up with what you know and what you do?
0: Yeah. I think also though, especially today, the attention part is really key. It's so hard to get people's attention and if your ad looks like an ad, people are ad-blind, especially on social media. And even when they, when they do a Google search, if it looks like an ad, it's not going to grab their attention. But if it conforms to what they're looking for, if it looks like a search result, it, it has a better chance of grabbing their attention. If it looks like a Facebook post or an Instagram post over an ad, it's And it's so counterintuitive because people want to put like explosion images with 50% off on it. And they think that that's the best way to grab attention, which maybe at, there might be some to, something to it. But what I found is when it conforms to what people expect to see there... They don't automatically put up the blinders. I think that uh, I think that a lot of people are ad blind, and the best way to get attention nowadays is to not look like an ad rather than to look like an ad,
1: ok. That makes sense. And actually, that that's um the same thing that David Ogilvy said and Ted Nicholas said that, yeah, um, uh, you get about five or six times the readership on something that doesn't look like an ad that looks like editorial or. Looks like a search result. Looks like a regular Facebook post. That's good. Now let's talk about graphics and appearance, because in the old days there was a saying, "Ugly sells," and they didn't mean make your copy look ugly. They meant don't make it look pretty. Don't don't put on the makeup and and uh, the suit and the tie, whatever metaphor you want to use. Don't don't gussy it up. And there the The reason is exactly what you were just talking about. You know, a a regular sales letter uh, works better when it looks like a personal letter or just a a straightforward business letter um, or an article in a publication. Um, Now, appearance today, I think, is a little more important. But again, you don't want to go overboard. Great design is not always necessary. And I think fancy design or design that calls attention to itself or You know, over-the-top design can actually suppress your conversions. But, you know, the right kind of really good design is important in short copy, day because of the environment. If your copy is showing up in a well-designed website, like Facebook, or like a news site, or in Google search, you want it to have enough, we might call it conforming design. Uh, to make it look familiar and and to make it look like it fits in so it doesn't look cheap and sleazy. What do you think about all that? I'm going to add something
0: that's probably going to be a little bit of a tangent. Yeah. Um, When it comes to graphics and copy, I'm killing it with memes right now. A lot of my clients come to me and they say, it was that meme that you posted that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that, that's what kept reminding me that you're a copywriter. And I think that where people are going wrong, I mean, a meme, if you do it right, it is an image. It's a graphic with five to 10 words. So super short copy. Um, if you do it right, their they're attention getting, they get shared and people love them and they keep you top of mind. I think the problem is that I see with a lot of people that are doing memes wrong is they're afraid memes are supposed to be spicy memes are supposed to be attention getting and memes are supposed to be almost to the point where you feel ashamed at laughing at it uh-huh. and a lot of a lot of uh, more stuffy corporate people are afraid to run memes that actually will that actually will work but when it comes to social media and and driving traffic with clicks and using graphics and short copy, if your meme game is on point, you're going to see amazing results from it.
1: Yeah, I I love that tangent. And it seems to me, so I haven't done any memes or many memes. I don't think I've done any. Um, But it seems to me there's a surgical precision that goes into doing it. it. It's not that you get all tense analytically, but It's like you really have to thread the needle just a certain way in order to make it work. Um, And I'm not going to ask you to describe your process because it's probably unconscious anyway. But would you agree with what I said?
0: Yeah, I think that when it comes to memes, the, the best thing to, especially if you're using them for marketing purposes, the best thing to keep in mind is, is this going to make somebody laugh? And is this going to make somebody say, man, I'm glad somebody said that.
1: Yeah. So m- m- memes are um, a-, a lot like the uh, more edgy comedians in a way, you know, the, a-, a lot of the things that, oh, way back in the day, Lenny Bruce, and, and then maybe what more these days, Chris Rock and people, people like that, they, they, s- they said stuff that was true, but that no one was willing to say, and they were willing to say, and they took the heat for it. I am pretty sure Lenny Bruce got arrested at least. Once for obscenity you know um but they they that was their thing they had to do it these days you can do it and make money wow what a (laughs) see how much our society has evolved
0: well the Uh, thing is is if you know what your clients are thinking if you know what your clients mm-hmm. if you know what they're thinking about your industry but nobody in your industry is willing to say it and none of your clients feel comfortable saying it if you're the one who stands out and makes a meme and you can add some humor to it but you can also say yeah there's a little bit of underlying truth here they're going to be like oh man i'm so glad that that person had the balls to say that and it's going to get shared it's going to get commented on and it's going to keep you top of mind as uh, again, it's not the only way, but I kill it with memes i it, For me and for my clients we've seen you, so you, much
1: you do i mean since we had our uh show i don't know it's two or three or four shows ago where we we talked about your approach to 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 marketing yourself and to social disruption uh, I've been looking at some of the um more edgy stuff that you've been putting up, and the number of shares is like mind-boggling, mm-hmm. mind-boggling. I've never gotten that many shares. I guess you know my dad jokes just aren't working. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Um, all right, so let's zero in on copy for one thing before we wrap up. There are two questions, and this is this is less about um, memes and and more about, I would say, more straightforward ask or invitation or offer uh benefit ads. Two questions. I, I, I was going through a client's funnel yesterday. It was very good, but like everyone else who writes their own copy, they were a little too close to it to see a few things. I I'm always able to ask this question and, and come up with some answers. And I, I guess it's because I'm really able to get into like the least alert, um, least focused prospects mind. First question I have is, how can this be misinterpreted? Just because it says what you want it to say, will someone read it another way? Not necessarily that you will violate Facebook's community standards by saying it or offend somebody, but just they won't know what you're talking about or they'll think you mean something else. It's it's I don't know how to explain how to develop that skill, um, so I guess you'll have to hire me for that. No, I really don't know... Um, how to explain it, but if there's, you know, you you want to get your short copy, absolutely unambiguous. And then the second thing, and this is especially more important now, um, you know, because of the whole uh, coronavirus tragedy, even if it has nothing to do with coronavirus or health, does, do these words make your prospect feel unsafe? That doesn't mean walk on eggshells. That means in terms of what you're talking about between you and them, is there something that's going to make them feel a little uncomfortable about moving forward in your funnel? And um, again, I, uh, maybe if you're not going to hire me or Nathan, maybe show it to a few people and and say, you know, tell me anything. In fact, for every complaint, I'll give you or, or a dollar or Starbucks card or, free swab or something. I don't know. Um, yeah. What do you think about that?
0: Both excellent points. One of the principles of neuro-linguistic programming is to take ownership of any miscommunications. Don't say, Oh, that person was so stupid. They can't understand this simple thing. Say to yourself, they didn't understand what I was saying. I need to figure out where I went wrong in my communication and doing that immensely helps your copy. If if you don't blame the prospect for not understanding, you say, hey, I must have communicated this wrong.
1: Yeah, um, actually a, a pretty universal principle of copywriting throughout when you think about it.
0: Mm-hmm. David, these last two episodes, man, have been so much fun. Uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed them. If the listeners are having as much fun and they want to check out more episodes of the podcast, where can they go?
1: they can go to copywriterspodcast.com. And I would like to make a, another disclaimer. Uh, we cannot always promise a police escort for every episode of Copywriters Podcast.
0: <laughs> All right, man. Uh, and you know what? I'm going to add that picture into this episode's show notes. So if you want to know the, the inside joke we've been making throughout the episode, go check out the show notes and you can find that for episode 159 over at copywriterspodcast.com.
1: Okay. uh, See you next time. See you next time. Before we go, a quick question. Would you like to have me as a guest on your podcast? Let me give you an easy way to contact me about that. We've put up a form on GarfinkleMedia.com, and it won't take much more than a minute to fill it out. So if you'd like to have me on your show, just go to Garfinkelmedia.com and fill out the form. That's Garfinkelmedia.com. Thanks, and see you next time on the Copywriter's Podcast. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.